0: Baby, if you got to go away, don't think I could take the pain. Sound check, one, two. I'm going insane, am I? Hello, I'm Kara, and you're listening to Arts Insights. Um, it has been a hot minute since I recorded last um, and I'm not going to bore you all by talking about COVID-19 and coronavirus because I know I'm blue in the face hearing about it so let's just pretend we all know it's a thing but yeah like everything else it has really thrown a spanner in the works with this podcast um, obviously you can't get into the studio um, I've been finishing my final year Jerry be busy you know so um, we finally, I think, gotten the hang of it. I've set myself up with my recording stuff. I feel professional, so I'll probably look at it as well. <laughs> so yeah, no, if it sounds a bit different, um, that's why. I'm not in the studio, I'm at home. So um, yeah, back with a double episode. Um, I'm gonna be talking to two lovely ladies who work in the arts and culture sector in Dublin. I know both of these women from working in Rural Red. So in part one of the podcast I'm going to be talking to Francesca de Morgia and in the second part I'm going to be talking to Carla Fazio. Francesca is the Artistic Director of Mother Tongues. Mother Tongues is a non-for-profit organisation aimed at promoting multilingualism in Ireland. They have a Mother Tongues festival in River Red um, at the end of February so luckily enough that had just gone ahead before um lockdown so um enjoy and i'll be back to talk to you about the next section afterwards hello francesca hi how are you this is the weirdest way to record an interview ever i'm so used to being like straight in front of people i know it's all the ordeal it it is isn't it (laughs) Um, so I just wanted to first get a bit of a background on you. I, I've seen you around or I read loads of times. I used to work in the cafe. Yeah. And I remember the events and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So just give me a bit of a background on you and your how you got started in your line of work.
1: I suppose my background is an academic background. So I've always been a lecturer. So when I moved here um, from Italy, Uh, in 2004, I continued to study language development in children. And then I became a lecturer, but I was really interested in bilingual children. So, a lot of my research, a lot of the work that I've been doing, uh, both at academic and non-academic level, had to do with how much, like, to what extent children need to interact with adults and with others to become bilingual. Mm -hmm. And so, Mother Tongues uh, was kind of a second take because there was a first uh, similar organization that I set up um, in 2007, I think. Uh, and then I left and was moved in to Dublin as well. It was still in Dublin, yes. But then oh. I moved to the UK for a few years. And then when I came back here, I thought, actually, I'm really passionate about this. I really want to make this work. I had a lot more experience, both at academic level, but also working with communities. So mm-hmm. I thought, OK, um, let's get an organization going and see what can, we can do to help uh, both families who are raising bilingual children, but also teachers who are finding themselves in classes where now we have a very high percentage of other languages.
0: Yeah, it's nearly more more children have more than one language than the other way around, isn't it? I'd say, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So the festival, the festival Mother Tongues Festival, has been going on since 2018, hasn't it? Yeah. So tell me a bit about that festival. Yeah. So um,
1: the initial idea was very simple, as in, uh, as as I said earlier, um, we worked a lot with parents, and I found when they were asking me questions, all these questions seemed to be very similar, because parents struggle mostly with not having time for the children to experience the language. So it's all very nice to have your mom and dad who speak Italian, but for a lot of children, that's the only place where they see the language is the home. Mm -hmm. And that's why I thought, actually, if we do a festival, first of all, the children are gonna see the language as fun and as something that is quite normal and not only enjoyable, but also something that happens outside of the home. But also art is a really good vehicle for coming together So, um, my other thought was in relation to Saturday schools. So, Saturday schools would be the Polish school, the Lithuanian school, the Italian school. So, everybody does this, you know, a a Mm -hmm. huge amount of communities do that in isolation. So, uh, the Polish school would be meeting in Dublin 7 on a Saturday and then the Italian school is in Dublin 8 on a Saturday. But actually, what the festival does is bring in all of these people together in the same space because Mm. we're all doing the same thing, which is trying to pass on something that is a huge gift to the children. Mm-hmm. We're all doing it in isolation but at the festival we all come together.
0: Do you think that's like a really important part of multilingualism because I think a lot of the time, I know I'm just thinking of Irish here, mm. it's it's mostly in like you say like a classroom setting or a home setting or something. It, do you think it's important to bring it into a like you say, like a fun kind of environment. Oh, yeah, it's it's crucial yeah. because um, there is huge
1: benefit in parents speaking the language to their children. But there is a point where children also want to, want to see it as something useful and yeah. they continue to pick, keep it up. And Irish is definitely one of these languages. It's like any other language. Yeah. To, you want to use it and you want to use it for a purpose, which is talking to others, socialising and so on. Uh, and so I think it's, it's, yeah,
0: it's important. It's given them the opportunity to use it as well. And it's not even like you say, there's so many different cultures and languages. So it's nearly uniting people from all over the world.
1: Yeah. and it, The
0: it, common, it's true. you know, and it's kind of
1: bringing the Irish language in the same space as other languages, mm-hmm. uh, where at the festival, but also at all our other events, there is always English. Uh Because that's our common language, there's always yeah. some Irish, or we try as much as possible, and then there's always some other language that maybe we don't know much about uh, but yeah. at the end of the day, we're all humans, and we all have one or
0: two languages that we're very like that that express who we are, and that's yeah. all it is about mm. and tell me a bit about some of the workshops then that go on at the festival. Um, so the idea is that as much as possible, workshops happen
1: in a language uh, that is the language of the artist and the, of the participants. Uh, so uh, just to give you an example, in the first year, we did um, an origami workshop and that was in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year we had Japanese storytelling and again, anybody was very welcome to join in and join in the Japanese fun, but it was led yeah. mostly in Japanese. Um, and there were plenty of people who had no Japanese who just walked in to experience something different. Mm. Um, it's other workshops uh, might be uh, different art forms, so it could be theatre. Uh, It could be, um, you know, we did drama workshops that were multilingual. So they were harnessing all the languages of participants. But we also did a drawing workshop in Portuguese, in Brazilian Portuguese this year. Uh, So again, these are artists also who are migrant artists, if you like. So they've lived here for whatever amount of time. They are native speakers of another language. So they bring that to the festival and they're allowed to speak their own language For once, it's also given
0: them an opportunity to be able to deliver their art in in their own language, their mother tongue, literally. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and to connect with people who are a little bit like them, because you know, in the majority of these workshops, you would have a lot of children who are second generation Brazilian, for example. So they speak the language, and you should see the face of the children when they see someone who is a teacher. Who speaks the same language? It's not their mom and dad. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's completely it throws them for the first five minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so like it's a it's obviously it's isn't it the only kind of festival or event like that in Dublin? In Ireland, I'd say, yeah. In Ireland, yeah. Yeah. Um what kind of response have you gotten in the last few years it's been on
1: um people have come which is very positive first of all that's you know what you want <laughs> uh, people people got the message uh, and um we've got definitely a bigger audience every year so that's also very positive mm-hmm. and we've collected a lot of feedback over the years and both participants are really excited about it because it's so different and unique uh, but yeah. the artists have also given us very positive feedback in that it's made them think about how they can stretch their creativity in many different ways uh, Mm -hmm. and how, you know, a festival like ours, because of the language element, has to have kind of a large amount or a large percentage of migrant artists in it. So some of these artists have commented on the fact that sometimes they wouldn't feel like they belong uh, or they may not be called into... um, a specific space um, i'm just giving you the example of the so for example brazilian writers if you write in portuguese you're you're very niche in ireland yeah so there won't be a lot of spaces a lot of festivals that cater for or that mm-hmm. that that have brazilian poetry
0: yeah
1: in in portuguese you see what i mean mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I so they felt that actually this gave them the opportunity
0: to have a space that was perfect for them no, that's brilliant. Um, so obviously the festival is only a small part of what you did. That's how I was familiar with Mother Tongues. But um, tell me about the other things you offer. So you do like I was looking at your website and there's like there's talks, there's like play groups for multilingual, lingual, children, children, children. <laughs> so tell me a bit more about the other um things you offer?
1: Yeah, so the talks are the um, original idea that when we first set up Mother Tongues, um, it was literally to share this information about how children become bilingual, how parents and teachers can support them. Uh, so that that's still ongoing. And at the moment, uh, because of the current situation, uh, the talks have become webinars. Uh, so they're live webinars yeah. uh, on bilingualism. And they, they've also been really well attended because I think people now are engaging with technology a lot more, I suppose. Mm. Um, and those are the more academic sides uh, and it's definitely it's for adults only. Um, mm-hmm. Parents come along, they ask questions, they want to know, well, I speak Polish, my wife speaks Portuguese. Uh, are we doing the right thing? Each of us speaking their own language. Are we confusing our child? So parents really value the conversations um, around this because it's quite new to them. Yeah. Um, then we have the toddler group, which we call the families, Mother Tongues Families. And that was going to be started in Tala, but, you know, just watch this space. (laughs) Uh, It's coming. Big thing's coming. Um, But at the moment, uh, before uh, it had to stop, it was in Dublin uh, city centre. And the focus of the group is uh, interaction. So anybody can come in, no matter what language they speak. And uh, there's a lot of activities focused around um, talking to the baby and reading and telling stories. And really just talking about ourselves and a lot of parents, again, in this context are migrant parents. So Hmm. for them it's a safety net, you know, it's a network of other parents and Mm -hmm. they get to know others, but also they get to kind of become a little bit more comfortable uh, being bilingual and passing on their language to their children. Um, The other major project is what the project we call Language Explorers. And that's a schools program. And so, again, that's not for adults. That's definitely it's linguistics for kids in a few words. And uh, that happens within the school uh, in the form of workshops where children use their home languages in school. And similarly to what I said earlier, you know, when the children come to the festival and they go, oh, really? can I speak Portuguese here? Yeah, I'm allowed Uh, to. (laughs) Yeah, the same happens in primary schools where there's a group of us going. We could all be from different language backgrounds, but we try to match them with the children. So uh, in the last school, we went to, there were a lot of classes with a high percentage of Romanian speakers. And we brought a Romanian artist into the class and the children... Were allowed, if you like to use that yeah. word, they they would they were doing this class through Romanian, and
2: yeah. then
1: other children were speaking their own languages. So it was all about really getting to know each other and learning mm-hmm. about each other's languages. So and that's yeah. that's it.
0: And do you think? Um, geez, that's loads. And you, <laughs> I, I think it's great how you you kind of cater for both the adults and the children. It's not one or the other. Like yeah. And um, what was I going to say? Do you think there's a bit of a stigma, like parents aren't really sure what to be doing in terms of like speaking multiple languages in the home or do, do you think there's not enough information out there for parents? Definitely. I think um, for quite a lot of
1: parents, um, you know, Ireland is kind of unique because you have the Irish language. But if you're from outside of Ireland and you're from, say, European country, it's very possible that you have been raised with just one language. So there, it's normal that you're going to have questions because your parents don't know what to tell you. You know, when I had my children, I, it was, the, I was the first person in my family to have children who spoke both English and Italian. So really? I, I had nobody to go to. To say, oh, mom, how did you do this, you know? Mm. Uh, On top of this, then the first person that you go to if you're having a baby is your GP or your public health nurse. Mm-hmm. And for quite a while, there was a lot of mixed information coming out of these meetings with uh, professionals because some were really positive And I had a very positive experience with, in, with all of my children. The public health nurse said, oh, you're Italian. You should speak Italian to your children because it's a wonderful gift. And I said, OK, this is lovely. Uh, mm. Thanks for confirming. <laughs> um, but I, we, we constantly see parents who come to mother tongues and they have been told not to speak their language to their children. And they've been told not to confuse the children. And this applies to Irish speakers as much as speakers of yeah. uh, other languages. And uh, So there is definitely need for information. And also, I felt as time goes on, the more we think about how can we get the information out to people, some of it is very kind of universal. Uh, but a lot of it, it, because the families are so different from one another, there are a huge amount of very uh, different cases. So yeah. we send out a lot of like blog posts and we have a little booklet for parents, but parents want to ask individual questions. questions about their own child at that specific point in time. Yeah. Like a three-year-old who speaks those three languages, should I teach them to read and write also in the home mm-hmm. language as well as the school language and where do I start and so on. So. And every um, child is different as well. so Exactly. And there's yeah. lots of concerns also around language impairment or language difficulties. So when children start to speak later, there's a lot of concerns as to whether that's caused by bilingualism, whether that's normal, whether that's something that they should look into. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of concerns around that area as well.
0: Yeah. And do you think like, I was only thinking this earlier, like with everything that's going on at the minute, with everyone being kind of stuck at home. Do you think there's probably a fair few parents that are struggling if, say, their kids have schoolwork and English isn't their first language to try and help them as well with? Absolutely, yeah. This
1: is, uh, I mean, um, these days, this is pretty much all I'm thinking of (laughs) because it is very, um, it's concerning. And the idea... That we've always and what we always say to parents is that uh, of course the school language is extremely important and the school curriculum is extremely important there's no doubt about that but if the help you can give your child is in your own language you should do that so yeah. that if, if you're a now I'm thinking Polish because it's the largest um, speaker group of speakers in Ireland. In Ireland if you're yeah. a Polish speaker and Polish is the language spoken in your family and you're still continuing to read books, to tell stories and to do whatever other, you know, talking about geography or history in Polish, you're not doing a damage to your child, Your pro- yeah. their child. The child is progressing with their learning and they can do that side by side with English whenever mm-hmm. they get English homework. Um, so I wouldn't stress about the language aspect of it um, in the sense that parents can do what they can do at this time. Uh, but definitely it is it, a lot of parents would have difficulties supporting their children um, with homework if the parents, sometimes parents are very harsh on
0: themselves as well.
1: Yeah, Um
0: they're their worst critics really aren't, uh, aren't very they?
1: often to say oh I, I'm not very good my English isn't very good and I'm like we've just had a full on conversation I think
0: <laughs> I didn't yeah. notice
1: anything but um, but again when it com- with, yeah. actually
0: sorry just the same with um, any like most of people my age would kind of have a second language mm. and I found that if you ask someone with a second language are you fluent in that language they say no. say no no way yeah they, they would say no yeah, and they are, like, they can speak whatever it is, yeah. Spanish, Russian, whatever, fluent, like, in obviously I'm listening to it, having a clue what they're saying, but...
1: Yeah, uh, people are very conscious of their language abilities, um, yeah. and they would be very, you know, they would want to be really good before they say they, they're they good at it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, yeah it's... Um, yeah uh, I think Irish people are very good at uh, beating themselves up as well you know <laughs> <But> about <laughs> language you know other, but language is a very sensitive topic as well you know yeah Irish would be the same there would be a lot of students who have really good Irish and you ask them how is your Irish and they go oh yeah not so good but um like, yeah, yeah 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 so yeah
0: but I really I really like how it's not just kind of like you say it's not just Spanish it's not just Italian it's not just Polish it's Anyone who's multilingual or bilingual or it's kind of inclusive of all cultures as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And uh, how has this affected your organisation, the whole COVID-19
1: pandemic? (laughs) Um, Well, there was a week of... uh, well, what's gonna happen and there's children sorry, in the houses dear, yeah. we, we all have sort of well a lot of us have children so our houses are full of joy at the moment um too much joy <laughs> a lot of joy and a lot of homework and a lot of um you know activities but also very inspirational yeah um but of course s- quite a lot of our acti- we were lucky just to get the festival uh you know the festival happened in February. probably two weeks before uh, Royal Red closed. So yeah. um, we were very lucky to to be able to have our event as we yeah. wanted. Um, we were planning on different kind of activities, some related to the artistic, the, the festival and the artistic mission of the festival. And just today, we decided to go online. So uh, the cafe format that we, we had monthly cafe in Rural Red, yeah. uh, a gathering of artists and communities, and we've decided to move that online. So it's taken us Great. a while to actually um, make a decision over you know, something that is so important because it's face-to-face, uh, yeah. because it's got that level of connection. Uh, mm-hmm. It's difficult to accept uh, the reality now you know I know um, yeah. but we've decided for that the, we also um, had the Italian classes on a Saturday morning uh, that were run within Mother Tones and we've done those online as well brilliant uh, so other than the toddler group which we know wouldn't work um, in, this, it, it wouldn't yeah. work at all for the goal of it everything else has moved uh, online
0: so it's uh, adapted quite well
1: to- yeah the classes have become webinars. And I like to think, you know, uh, sometimes these are opportunities. Um, we will struggle financially. We will struggle with other, you know, it was sh- surely we will struggle. But uh, we're trying to think of the bigger picture. And actually, the talks, for example, were a limitation in the sense... Well, a limitation. They were limited to a certain number of people in a certain location. But now mm-hmm. that they're a webinar... Uh, only last week, people joined in from all over Ireland.
0: Yeah, actually, so think travel of, yeah. isn't an issue, or yeah, it's more accessible. Maybe yeah,
1: yeah. So the talks are in the evening. They're at a time that usually, you know, I've uh, I've organized it for eight thirty, which usually is late enough. You know, if you finish something at ten o'clock at night in the yeah. middle of nowhere. But actually, people were all sitting in their comfy sitting rooms, and they were attending the webinar. They were able the to ask questions. <laughs> the kids were some. Some were still out and about, but uh, you could mute the parents. So, um, yeah. yeah, and so I thought this was uh, something that maybe I wouldn't have gone into so quickly, mm-hmm. um, because I thought, okay, maybe the face to face gives a different dimension to our relationship with the families. Mm-hmm. But because of the situation, we had to go into it, and maybe this this is, will turn into an
0: opportunity rather than yeah, exactly. a challenge. Mm. No, that's brilliant. Um, so, how can people? I know you have a membership on yeah. your website. Yeah. So, how can people get involved with um, that then?
1: So, uh, people who want to be members can just uh, join uh, through the website. And the That's membership dot.ie isn't it? Yeah, mother tongues dot.ie. Yeah. Uh, um, so the membership is ideal for parents um, or for teachers who want to join the webinars or want to one-to-one advice. Uh, so people can access all of our services through the membership. Uh, the festival and other arts events are free and open to the public. Of course, the festival does the, the some events uh, have are ticketed. Uh, but people can get involved in other ways. For, the, for example, at the festival, you can just be a volunteer. Yeah. Um, the same applies to the cafe. Uh, but for mother tongues, also, if people have questions, if they have a specific concern about their children, they can always send an email. Um, yeah. and there'll be somebody at this end, the, especially at this time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Give <me> something <laughs> to <do. laughs> no, Yeah, well, plenty of emails coming in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, sending an email and um, also I feel uh, because we're relatively new, quite a lot of organizations have started to find out about us and ask us to partner on projects. Yeah. So I think that's also another really good way of reaching out to more people. So mm-hmm. if there's an organisation that works with migrants, works with um, parents or, you know, ch- children usually under fives, uh, whether it's through artistic development, whether that's through community development, we're always yeah. happy to share our
0: expertise and get involved. That's brilliant. Well, thanks a million, Francesca. Thanks so much. For chatting to me and for getting all your... It's sorted with the audio. I really appreciate it. So now in part two, I'm going to be talking to Carla Fazio. Um, Carla is the director slash coordinator of Cranoon and Ogue. Um, South Dublin. Um, so, if you haven't heard of it before, Crinu is the National Day of Free Creativity for Youth and Young People. Um, I knew about this festival, it's been on for the last number of years, and there's generally loads of different organisations from Rural Red get involved, which is great. Yeah, so this Crinu was due to take place on the 13th of June this year, um, and normally it's a very kind of interactive outdoor event um, but obviously they had to completely go back to the drawing board and now it is taking place on the 13th of June um, online which is Braille um, so if you're listening just after we put this up you might still be able to participate or get involved which is Braille I definitely recommend I will be doing so um, but yeah I had a great time talking to Carla so enjoy! Hello, Carla. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to chat with me. No problem. How are you getting on?
2: Are you you mad busy? It is busy. Um, It's... I was not anticipating Crenu to be this busy, Um, but it's interesting how we've shifted from sort of live interaction live events, you know, in-person events to now this, these virtual events. And, um, there was definitely an underappreciation of sort of the work that actually goes into that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, we, like the whole team, um, has been quite busy, uh, figuring out sort of new ways of delivering projects and also the organizations and the artists, um, you know, figuring out ways to stay true to their mission, their own mission statements while delivering in this brand new realm. So it has been quite busy and definitely um, stimulating and thought provoking, but Yeah, and like definitely busy especially everyone's just alone. You can't meet to organize I know. things. So I know. frustrating. I know. I will tell this little tidbit of a story. I think oh, um, it's funny. Actually, it's it's not really a story, but it's it, it's more this occurrence that keeps happening. It's really fascinating. Um, through I've been communicating a lot through email, and people try to paint their pictures of of what their ideas are, or, or or what a process is, or you know whatever it is that is the discussion of the moment. And a lot of times, I end up picking up the phone because there's been some miscommunications there's been some sort of misinterpretations of these visions or these ideas Mm. um so it is yeah it is it's really difficult to work remotely um in that sort of fashion and you've you've children as well is that like yes that been a challenge it's mad it's crazy it's a three ring circus um yeah no (laughs) it's like I actually had said today um I said, there has to be some comedian out there. Um, It's not me, but there has to be some comedian out there in like the next, I don't know, year to five years who has to come out with either like a one off special or a mini series or a movie that just kind of highlights, you know, working from home when you have small children. Because it's like like they're just it's completely unpredictable. So and especially if you're homeschooling as well. I don't know how people are. I gave up on that. Doing it. (laughs) <laughs> i think he's they five. have to be understanding like no you have to be he's five and like he's like you know i i i just gave up on it i gave up yeah. i he's he's running around he's playing i wasn't going to interrupt the play i wasn't going to have the battle so i, I just no. I, I gave up
0: um so tell me what like nor like what the festival's about and what normally happens on a reg- it's okay. been since 2018 hasn't it
2: uh, it has year? been going, I want to say the first year was actually in 2017, except okay. they did it, um, sort of to commemorate the Easter rising. So it actually happened on Easter Monday. Oh, right. Yes. And then, and it was, oh my goodness. I don't, I don't remember what they called it in Irish. So I, 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 Something <laughs> to else. move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then yes, in 2018, it was uh, then renamed Crinanog, and it happened, I, want, I think it's the second Saturday in June. Um, that's when it falls. And the first, year, the first time they'd had it in June in 2018, it was, it was, right, it was quite small. Um, and there were, in particular in South Dublin County, it was quite uh, limited, and it was small, and there was just a few participating organizations. And then yeah. last year, Creative Ireland was keen to grow the program, across Mm -hmm. the nation and so they um offered many more resources and funding towards uh for towards local or for the local authorities for projects and programming it really was it really is actually brilliant and so Mm. last year it really sort of blossomed into this uh day-long festival and it was great because it included a lot of the artists and organizations that work within South Dublin County and a lot of the different um, schools, the work being done, creative work being done in schools and out in the community. So it crossed different sort of, um, I guess you could say different sectors. So it wasn't just like community or it wasn't yeah. just in the educational setting, but it was across different settings. And then this year, it was all to be sort of going along the same lines with the same sort of, you know, schools projects and developmental projects and process-related arts projects um, with dotted with one-offs. And then, of course, we had to move it all to the virtual realm. And so it was suggested that we uh, develop a webcast. And it's been great because we have... A wide variety of organizations and artists from South Dublin participating. And I couldn't I thi- believe the amount I'm looking into it. I th- it's great. I have to I'm gonna pull up my sheet, but I want to say there is thirteen different it, organizations. It's,
0: it's great because normally um when you get events like this, it's really tailored to like one art form.
2: Yeah. And it actually is like spreads across. everything. Yes. And that's also sort of the um, heart of like Karina Nogue as well. And also the Creative Ireland program in general, because it's yeah. more about creativity and creativity can be seen across all art forms and then other sort of creative activities or experiences, if you will. So, you know, it's not just your traditional dance, drama, music, and visual arts, but there's also, um, you know, there's, there's crafts and there's design and there's architecture and there's, um, I want to say one of, I I came across this on the Creative Ireland, um, Facebook page, or it could have been one of the local authority, um, pages. There's, they're holding a baking competition, for example. So it's, yeah. So it's not just, you know, your, your traditional art forms. It's also sort of creativity in everyday life that they um that sort of creative and that makes it so much more accessible than to like anyone doesn't it it does it makes it a lot more accessible and it really sort of opens it up and it also opens up the idea for like collaborations and partnerships so Hmm. um you might uh and because it's also the other thing I was going to say is that like everything's driven in particular for crew and oak everything is driven by the young people so a lot of the work in our webcast is created solely by young people whether it's choreography whether it's artwork um whether it's even the workshops that are being offered they're being geared towards young people to like get out and build and create things with their families um so yeah, it's it, it's 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 really sort of creativity draw uh driven and then, mm. you know, the young people are the ones who are making it. Which is great. and like now I think it's
0: that's more important than ever. Like when yes. we're all confined to our homes and I know You, know, you might Something. actually
2: do you think you'll get even more people maybe participating now? I hope so. I mean, we were very overwhelmed with the responses. We had two open calls for two of our projects. One um, freshly ground theater had put an open call out for uh, basically looking for original scripts, and they. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yes, and it was open to children aged four to eighteen, and it was great because they got. Um, they thought that they were only going to get two or three submissions. They ended up getting, getting seven submissions. And they are um, they're publishing all of them, and they're creating mini mini productions for three of them, and one of them was written by a six year old, which I think is fantastic. That's um, unreal. Yeah, isn't it? And then um, the art the the visual arts project that, um, is that Roor Red and Contact Studio are partnering on with Joe Kaslin. He uh, they had a response. They put out an open recall, an open call, and I think they got something like eighteen responses back. And I want to say eight or nine or ten um, are actually participating, which is fantastic. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it that's, is amazing. That's, that's, and wow. the same thing; wow. um, these groups didn't put out open calls, but they ended up having a very large number of children participating in sort of the process. Um, there, there's Studio 12 and Spotlight Speech and Drama did sort of a, a, a theater games storytelling workshop that ran over the course of six or seven sessions. They had a number of participants from both um, community group or both groups. Um, also, uh, Music Generation had, South Dublin had over 100 kids participate. And I wanna say 20 of them got family members to record them. And um, with playing the mute, the, the the song or singing the song that they learned, and then that all kind of came together. Um, yeah, so it's, it's it's just amazing, kind of the numbers of kids who are coming out. Yeah, that's to participate. I mean, probably so,
0: more than you would have gotten
2: previously. Yes, maybe would. Yeah. I think so. I mean, one thing that I was thinking of um, the other day, or was a couple of weeks back, um, w- because we're working virtually there's sort of, and also remotely, and we're all, I I think, like, as humans, we're looking to connect in some sort of way. And so we're not stuck in our usual boxes that we're normally in. And we're not really attached to anything, if if that makes any sense. And so there is this sense of freedom to kind of, like, go to, 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 to search out a way to connect. And I, and I think that, um, that's probably it's why it is. It's forcing people to think outside the box a bit, isn't it? It really is. And the yeah. other thing, too, is that all of those activities that young people were doing at school. I mean, I look at my son, for example, like he he, he was at school one day and the next day, like that was all done, you know? I know. And it's got to be so confusing, I mean, for a five year old, but then you think, because they, because not even, I mean, not even just for a five year old, but any young children, but then also for teenagers, if you think about it, they had, like, as a student, you have this whole life, right, outside of your home home and then all of them mm. that completely shuts down and now you just have your home life and you're going to be yeah. missing that other life where you were doing all these other activities so mm. you might want to find a way to be looking for a way to like fill in that gap
0: absolutely and this, yeah and is, is there of- going to be workshops so
2: this is happening on the 13th of June now this Online. is happening on the 13th of June. It's going to be okay. streaming across a variety of platforms, but you can definitely catch it on this Kronew Nanogue South Dublin Facebook page, and also the Kronew Nanogue South Dublin Instagram page. Um, and we're going to launch the stream, or the stream is going to start at 11 a.m. So you can catch it okay. from the beginning and then it'll just run on repeat um, over the course of the next few days, following days from that, and yeah, there's going, there's three workshops, there's going to be three workshops, Um, two of the workshops are going to be offered by the organization Recreate Ireland, and in the, in our promotional campaign and in the run-up to the 13th, they're going to be, um, Recreate will be releasing some uh, challenges, um, on their social media pages and our social media pages to have, um, young kids go out and not just young kids, um, but also teenagers go out and collect materials, um, from outdoors, um, from their back gardens or from inside their house. So they're going to be using just like typical items that you might recycle or you might, um, repurpose in some way like just like toilet paper rolls and you know things along that nature uh plastic bottles and probably milk cartons and then of course things from outside possibly like sticks and leaves and bits and pieces like that um and they're going to be running one workshop on uh creating a little creepy crawly insect-like creature and then another workshop on building some sort of flying contraption so whether it's like a kite or an airplane um from the materials gathered and then um all lions dance um all lions will be doing a short quick tutorial um uh for the webcast as well so you'll get to learn a little dance to a song and um we also have co-hosts for the webcast go. yes we have three Thanks. co yes we have three uh local young um aspiring actors uh journalists if you will um Jack Jones and Ashley McCumbey and Alex Lyons will be co-hosting the website sorry the webcast and so um they'll be doing the workshops along with the audience and helping them kind of go along and through the whole the whole broadcast so
0: brilliant yeah I I, I genuinely was surprised when um I found out that it was still running because I know noise moves was cancelled oh yes
2: were you devastated about that I was actually devastated (laughs) But it was I okay <laughs> thought. I was like, she's gonna be devastated. The amount of work. I was, de- I was devastated. Yes, I was devastated. But um, I have to say that the new project kind of helped me get through it because it, yeah. I had, a, I had like, there's a focal Something point. to focus on. Exactly. Um, yes, it was quite. It is quite a sad because, like, you think about it, like everyone's working really hard. I mean, I felt so bad for all the young dancers who had been rehearsing um, and building yeah. work for performance since like September or or even probably sooner than September of last yeah. year um, when they all kind of come back to the studios and then to have like the studios closed down and so there's no more rehearsal space and I can only imagine like it's just yeah it was it's and that's it's, the
0: case for so many events like I know
2: and it just breaks your heart cultural sector has just taken such a bad hit hasn't I know it? it really has and I'm not sure like I keep saying this, I don't know sort of like what it's going to be like on the other end until, you know, everything until there's either a vaccine or there's some sort of cure or what it's good or yeah. or it's rectified in some sort of way. Because um, just you just think about your audience numbers and just from planning a festival, for example, and just like yeah. the number of participants that we have every year it's i have no idea what that's going to look like for the next couple of years and the same thing thing, mm -hmm. and the same thing with the audience numbers if there's social distancing within the buildings you know i what is it there's an average of 200 seats in the civic i think that i am able to open up so whatever 20 percent of that is it ends up being i think somewhere around 40 or 50 and then it's like, is that feasible to put on a show for not an like, like you fifty percent? You know? No, because no, because like if you think about it, like I wouldn't be able to have two hundred participants backstage. So yeah. <laughs> and I then, know, and, then and if you I can't could, rehearse. Nope, 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 it's mental. Nope, and then yeah, it, it's 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 really sad and. I know how it affects sort of the dance sector because um, you go and you work in the studio. Well, the first thing is that you you need an actual space to work in. So it's like, when are the studios going to reopen? And then when the studio reopens, there will be like a certain number of people allowed in the rehearsal space based on, you know, the space. But then how do you rehearse when you're like throwing your bodies through space? How do you can't really maintain social distancing? I know, yeah. So then there's like a whole sort of, you know, rules and regulations that come with that. And it's, yeah, it's so tricky to navigate. And, um, I've been thinking a lot about sort of what, um, sort of the programming will look like next year and Emergence, the choreography program that's, um, yeah, that's also part of noise moves. Um, that's something that could, I, I can kind of foresee working in sort of a virtual slash live slash, you know, social distancing slash if we have to have a big space for a small production, you know, the civic could yeah. work. You know, all of those things, I, I can see that working. But noise moves is, is a little bit of a conundrum at the moment. <laughs> so yeah. I know, I know it's hard. You're just it. Like you were so close as well to the like I know point. I know <laughs> it was like tragic I know, I know it really was um yeah it it was like so yeah it it was so close, it was so close, the webcast thing sounds brilliant, like yeah. I think it's gonna be deadly, I think the great thing about the webcast, um is that not just like myself, but also like for every, like the whole team that's working on the webcast at the moment and also the artists and the organizations, it's almost like we are trying to figure out how to take a live event and move it into the virtual realm. And what are all those steps? And so as busy as it is and as stressful as it is at at times, I'm actually quite grateful for the experience because there's sort of this hands-on outside the box, training Mm -hmm. thinking training going on in the moment and so when the time comes to have to you know redevelop your 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 program or look at how programs have to be or have to be delivered in a different way you know I feel quite grateful that like I've I've had this experience Um, yeah and even like I was talking to Francesca no mother Mm. tongues. she
0: runs that and she was saying she's kind of half grateful because it forces you to like adapt and kind mm-hmm. of move on to the virtual element it does. of things
2: like. It does. Yeah. I've heard like um, the, the the few artists, there have been a few artists that I've been talking to in relation to Krunu, but they've also been talking a little bit about how they're going to, shifting their practice. And it's really kind of some really sort of clever and creative ideas that, that I've heard that people are going to be doing and, also just like practicing things um, and going online and looking at other what other organizations are doing as well outside yeah. of Ireland, um, to kind of get tips and sort of, I guess you could say professionally develop themselves. So yeah, it's, it's all quite, mm-hmm. um, it's so fast the blind moving, the blind yeah, ones. it really is. And it's <laughs> like, so the lear- as I was saying at the start of this, the learning curve is steep. <laughs> Like it's like, yeah. like you're just like her. <laughs> yeah, <I
0: know. laughs> No, but so. that it you seem to be you seem confident
2: having it yeah, good well, handle on things. It's um everyone who has seen what we've done so far. Um, has said that it looks positive and it looks like it's going in the right direction. And I, and I am quite impressed. like I was actually just saying this morning I typed out this nice email to everyone and basically thanked them for like all of their hard work. And you know yeah. I recognize and appreciate that this has been quite challenging. but you know and one of the things like I just pete like we are we as humans are just we are quite clever and we are also quite resilient and sort of all the people working on the Crinu project. That, like, they just demonstrate that every single day that yeah. um, we're doing this. So. It's just getting the numbers now, isn't it? Yes, it is. To
0: it
2: is. In. It is. It is. So, we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram, and it's Crin and Ogue, South Dublin, or at Crin and Ogue, South Dublin. Yeah. And um, from yeah. 11. From 11 on the thir- Saturday, the 13th of June. Write it into your diaries, everyone. Yes. <laughs> Definitely, Brilliant. definitely. Well, now, good luck with it
0: all, and I'll Thanks. be tuning in. Great, great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for talking to me, Carla. You're welcome. Yeah, so Shanae. Thank you very much to both of my guests, Carla and Francesca, for chatting to me, taking time out of their very busy schedule. Um, I know it must be really hard working from home and more people I know I've spoken to have been more busy than normal, which is crazy. But um, yeah, thank you so much my guests and also thank you for listening. Um, If you enjoyed it, please do like and share and tell your friends. so yeah, like I said, hopefully we'll be a bit more regular now. So thank you very much again for listening and I will chat to you next time. Arts Insight is recorded, edited and produced by Gerry Horn of Contact Studio. Contact Studio is a South Dublin County Arts Office initiative.